So, last week, on Wednesday night, we started a new series, a Christmas series called Gifts. Okay, there's a T in it. Gifts. Okay? And then if you were here Sunday morning, you got to hear me teach it again on Sunday morning. So, uh, you should know about all there is to know about the gift of gold at this point. Uh, so today, we talked about, it's okay, it's on the podcast. Um, today, so we, we talked about how gold was used to signify royalty and that Jesus was and is a king. Um, we, so we looked at what it means that he was a king, that he is our king and that he's king of kings. So obviously, naturally, this week... We're going to talk about the next gift. And if you've ever heard them said, we, we talked about last week how weird it is if you say them out of order. So we're just going to go in order and we're going to cover frankincense. Okay? And this is not incense bought by some guy named Frank. Okay? That was a joke. It's okay if you laugh at those. Uh, this is not Frank Frank's incense. Okay? Uh, this is frankincense. <clears throat> now, if you're like me, Whenever I was a kid, and even up until a couple of years ago, whenever I first researched uh, what, gold, what frankincense and myrrh were, you probably understood why the wise men would bring gold. Like, it made sense, right? Like, I said, I said Sunday morning in, in the sermon that gold's a weird gift to bring for a baby, but it, like, it makes sense if someone's a king to bring gold. Like, we would think, oh, wow, gold's a very precious metal, a very expensive thing, it'd be a really good gift. But you had no idea, and maybe even you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't even know what the other two things are that they brought. I don't even know what frankincense and myrrh are, or have an idea of why you would bring them to a baby. Like, are they even valuable? Whatever. So the first thing we need to, to talk about is what frankincense is. Because we have to understand what it is before we can really talk about why it was brought as a gift. So let's get this boring history of frankincense out of the way. Okay, so frankincense comes from the gum or the resin of the, I'm going to say this probably wrong, but it's boswellia tree, boswellia, okay? It's a tree, and it only comes from this certain type of tree. And I actually, like this is literally how boring my life is. I watched a documentary on how they make the tree produce the residue. They like, they literally like break the tree. They like scrape some bark off and it like builds it up as a scab. And then they like, the scab is actually the part that they want. So they just keep essentially injuring this tree to force it to make scabs. And then they take all the scabs off and that's what frankincense is. It's a boswillia, B-O-S-W-I-L-L-I-A, boswillia. I-A. Okay. B-O-S-W-I-L-L-I-A. Boswellia tree. Okay. So this resin, okay, this or, or what is produced when the bark is injured is used to make perfume or incense. Okay. Now, again, that sounds like, okay, you could just make as much of that as you want. However, this substance was very expensive because it could only come from these trees and these trees could only come or be 
grown in certain parts of the world. So, and additionally, at the time, they probably didn't have this major process of like knowing they can purposely injure the trees and make them like grow the stuff. So they probably thought they had to find it naturally on trees that had been injured by animals or storms or something like that. So it was difficult to collect from trees. Um, honestly, the more I researched this, the more I was like, man, this is really boring. Okay. So that's really all you need to know about it. Okay. As far as it goes, you just need to know that you could take this resin, you know, and you could harden it and you could distill it, which basically means to put it in boiling water and collect the, collect the aroma to make a perfume or you could crush it up like rocks or ice or something and burn it as incense, okay? So that's basically the two ways that you could use this stuff, okay? And, and I don't know if you're like me. Again, I was talking about this Sunday morning, but my mind wanders whenever I like read stuff and research. And I want to be like, who's the first person to thought, hey, if I burn this stuff that like comes off the tree... It smells really good. Like, why would someone like be walking around? Like, I've never, I've never walked, I've never walked up to a tree and seen like a lump on it or something, and be like, oh, I should scrape that off and burn it. I bet it smells good. You know, like I, I just wondered, like, who was the first person to discover you could do this with this stuff? Maybe it was. They wouldn't have had the resin in it. But anyway, so from my research. From my research, it is probably likely that the Jewish people learned of the use of frankincense from their time in Egypt as slaves. Okay, right? We, if we know the people of Israel's history, the Israelites, they traveled to Egypt early in Genesis and were slaves for many generations, right? The Egyptians probably used frankincense and so the Israelites learned it from there. And actually, if you read in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, those three books, you can find detailed instructions on how to properly use frankincense in sacrifices and stuff like that. Okay? So it's actually talked about quite a bit in the Old Testament. However, if you read those passages where it talks about the proper burning of frankincense, the smoke... From the burning incense symbolizes our prayers or, or the prayers of the faithful ascending to God in heaven. So, so basically they believed that if you burned this frankincense and you were praying or sacrificing at the time, that, that whatever you were doing would travel with the smoke up to God. Because obviously if anyone's ever seen something burn, the smoke like just goes up into the air, right? We all understand this. So, you know, we, we kind of now understand what it is. We understand the Jewish history of frankincense. But what does this have to do to, with Jesus? And why would, why would some magi bring that as a gift to him? Either as a baby or as Jesus. So, for many, 
including the Jewish people, frankincense was a way of signifying. We talked about how gold usually signifies someone royal, right? Like if someone was wearing gold, that probably meant they were wealthy and meant they were royalty, right? So for the Jews and many other people, frankincense was a way of signifying that something was holy, Okay, so when you burned it, you would, like I said, you would burn it and the smoke would, theoretically, was what they believed, would go up to God. And so this was a holy thing, this whole process. So that's why it was used for these sacrifices and rituals is because it was a holy sacrifice to God. So we're just going to go ahead and reveal this here. Here's the, what you all came for tonight. The gift of frankincense to Jesus is used to signify the divinity of Christ. Which, to say that in a more normal way, it means that Jesus was God. It means that Jesus was God. Okay, So, he was divine. So they gave him this gift because he was holy in nature. He was one with God. So more than just symbolizing Christ's divinity, that he was divine, it also symbolized that Jesus was what they would have called back then as a high priest. Okay? And I'll get into the, the kind of exactly what that means here in a second, but we talked last week about how Jesus was the king of kings, right? That he was the king over all the kings. Right. And so this week, what we're really looking at is this idea that Jesus is the high priest over all the high priests. Okay. now that doesn't sound as good. Like king of kings sounds like really sweet. High priest of high priests just kind of sounds weird. Okay, so that's probably why we don't say that a whole lot. Um, But we can tell from this gift and ultimately we can tell by what Jesus teaches and what we know about him. that he is the ultimate and a divine high priest. So, um, how do we know this? How do we know that Jesus is a high priest of high priests? Well, and I'm going to give you a little bit of history here. One of the questions I get asked a lot of times is uh, questions about the eternal standing or the salvation of People from the Old Testament. Basically like, did Moses go to heaven because Jesus didn't die for his sins yet? Kind of thing. Okay? So we're going to discuss that for just a second. But I get asked this question a lot about the eternal standing of Old Testament figures. So these people who lived before Jesus, how did they get into heaven because Jesus hadn't come and died for their sins yet? So if you read the Old Testament, they had very specific sacrificial rituals that they would do to atone for their sins. Okay, so essentially they would, they, if they did something wrong, they would have to do a sacrifice to make up for what they did wrong. Okay, and as many of you guys know, these sacrifices were done a lot of times by the high priest. Okay, so essentially if you did something wrong, what you would have to do is you would have to 
take your sacrifice. Most of the time it was an animal. And, and if you read, it wasn't just any animal. You didn't be like, oh my gosh, this sheep's probably not going to make it through the week. I'm going to take that one. No, you had to bring your best. Okay, your unblemished. Okay, so, so and we see, this, we see this correlation in who Jesus was, right? Jesus was a sinless person, so he was himself unblemished. And that's where this connection comes through. But you had to bring basically the best of your flock, the best of your crop, the best of whatever you had. You had to bring it to the high priest and the high priest would kill it and burn it. Okay, right? That was your burned offering to God that would atone for your sins. Okay, now, honestly, this sounds like really crazy, really cruel and everything. But I can imagine that the, these people back then were much more connected with this idea of a sacrifice for their sins than we are today. Right? We can all sit here and we can say, oh, I know Jesus died as a sacrifice for my sins, but, but that doesn't really affect our day-to-day lives. Right? Like we don't, we don't see, like it'd be one thing if like every time we sinned that night we had a nightmare about Jesus being crucified. Like that would affect our daily life. Right? And, and so <clears throat> for these people, it was more of a day-to-day sort of effect of their life. Like when they sinned, when they did wrong, they, they had to sacrifice something that was very important to them to atone for their mistake. And, and so this was kind of, um, not kind of, this was their way of making atonement for their sins to God so that they could get into heaven. Now, unfortunately for them, they couldn't just be like, oh man, I sinned. Okay, bring in the next sheep. I'm just going to do this here on the kitchen counter and be done with it. You know, They would have to go to the temple... And the high priest would have to perform the sacrifice for them, okay? Because only the high priest had access to communication with God, or so they thought, right? And and if you look, and, and, and if you are interested in this and you want to see it, let me know. I can find a picture online and text it to you or something, but... The way the temple was built in the Old Testament, they, they were very, very specific. Uh, Brother Ben even has like a big diagram in his office. It's pretty cool. But it was very specific of how the Old Testament temple was to be built. And in the very center, in the very center was a place called the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go into this place and it was blocked off by a curtain. Okay? It had a curtain that blocked this off and only the high priest could go in. And that's where he communicated with God. Okay, I know this is like a ton of history and it's not super exciting, but trust me, this like comes full circle here in a second. So when we look at this idea of the high priest having to go to this place in the middle of the temple called the Holy of Holies so that he could communicate to God on the behalf of all the people and to perform their sacrifices and stuff like that, we can understand how Jesus is labeled as a high priest. Because if we look at this idea of Jesus being the ultimate high priest, it means that through the sacrifice he performed by being crucified on the cross, he opened up a line of communication between God and all believers. And we know this to be true. We know this line of communication to be the Holy Spirit. And if you read in Acts, we see that come down at Pentecost. We can talk more about that, but that's a whole different lesson. But we know that in Jesus dying on the cross... 
And being the high priest of high priests, he then opened this line of communication. So no longer do we have to go through pastors or high priests to communicate with God. We can all do it individually. This is called prayer. Okay, that's what prayer is, is communicating with God. And this line's been opened. And we know <clears throat> this line was opened or, or we see a sign or symbolism that this line was opened. Because if you read... When Jesus breathes his last breath, there's a big earthquake. And what's the one thing that it talks about that happens when the earthquake happens? The curtain to the Holy of Holies is torn in two. Again, that's not an accident, okay? The fact that the the curtain that divided people from being able to communicate with God was no longer existent meant that now every single person has a direct line of communication to God. That, that curtain has been removed through Jesus' death. We now have the ability, but not just the ability, we also have the responsibility to go before God, which we can do for a number of reasons. Some being to repent of our transgressions, so to tell him when we do things wrong, yeah, you're supposed to do that. Tell God, even though he knows, you're supposed to tell him when you do things wrong. To ask him for forgiveness. To ask for God's favor, or as we call them, prayer requests. And most importantly, we can go to God to experience salvation. Now, when we look at this... We have to understand the importance of this exact moment. Like, I, I don't know if you guys realize this, but not all religions have a line of communication between the followers of the religion and the deity. Some do. But if you listen, like if you hear people talk about like all different religions, they'll say if you want to pray or meditate or whatever, okay? People who are meditating as part of their religion, they do not have a line of communication. They just try to like center themselves with the universe or I don't, I don't know what. Not all religions have a line of communication between the deity, or in this case, God, and the followers, or in this case, us. So this idea that Jesus is a high priest of high priests, that he came as a baby... Not to be a human. He did not come to this earth to live life. He came to this earth specifically to die so that he could open the line of communication between all of the people here on earth and God. Okay? That is the entire reason that Jesus was born. Was to open this line of communication to be a high priest for all people. And, and so when we look at the fact that the Magi bring this gift of frankincense, something that would have been used by a high priest, it's very meaningful in the fact that it signifies that Jesus is now the line of communication between us and God. And, and I know, guys, I'm, I'm just being very serious right now. I know that these three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they could have just been like, 
the wise men could have been like, hey, uh, what do you want to get, Jesus? They're like, hey, look, we've got some gold, frankincense, and myrrh sitting right here. Just grab that and throw it on the camel and we'll go. Like, it could have been that they weren't thinking this far through what their gifts were. But as I said Sunday morning, I think God was. <clears throat> Whether the Magi understood why they were giving these gifts or not, I don't know. But I truly, in my heart, believe that God made these the three gifts that were brought to Jesus for the reasons that we're laying out. First, the gold to signify that Jesus is a king. And now the frankincense to signify that Jesus is the high priest or the line of communication between us and God. And also that Jesus is God himself. <clears throat> you know, I, I think we've been joking about this. I, I've made this comment a couple times tonight. And, and I know that a lot of you guys probably like this song. But um, we've been talking about Mary, Did You Know? Um, and I really can't stand the song. I'm just going to be honest. Because if you read the Bible, Mary did know. Okay? Like it's very, like literally the angel told her a lot of it. But I'm assuming if God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus, that she had a very good and solid working relationship with God himself as a Jewish woman. And she would have also understood the scriptures and she would have known who the Messiah was like, like she would have understood the concept of who the Messiah was and what he came to do, right? She would have understood that the Messiah came to die. So, so when it's saying like, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would, would, yeah, like, yeah, she knew that, right? Or would, uh, like, I don't know. I can't even think of the words of the song. But so like when it says in there, did you know that someday he'd walk on water? Okay, maybe she didn't know that he was going to walk on water because the Old Testament's like, the Messiah will walk on water. Like it doesn't say that. But as far as the theology of it, that he came to die and that he was an atonement, that he was going to be the lamb of the sacrifice, all those things they knew. So Mary and Joseph as Jewish people would have known who Jesus was. And so these gifts, I, I got to imagine in my mind that these gifts made sense to them. They're like, oh, there's gold because he's the king of kings. Oh, there's frankincense because he's the high priest. Oh, there's myrrh because, surprise, you'll get it next week. But that's a, that's a teaser. You've got to come back to get the answer. Okay, but, but I have a feeling that Mary and Joseph were sitting there knowing what these gifts meant whether the Magi did or not. Frankincense was given to Jesus because he was, he is, and forever will be the ultimate high priest. We can go to him. And there's this big churchy word called interceding. Okay? And this just means that you go between. Okay? Like, if, if Paige wanted to tell Jacob something, but she didn't want to tell him to his face... She could tell me, she could tell me, and then I would tell Jacob, and I'm interceding to Jacob on Paige's behalf, okay? So we cannot, like, just go to God and talk to him. We have to have someone who intercedes on our behalf. And that's what the high priest did in the Old Testament, and that's what Jesus does in this, what we're calling the New Testament church. Well, we use the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is given to us because of Jesus' sacrifice. Okay? Yeah, and Jesus is the Holy Spirit. So, 
Yeah, I know it's all in there, but we can go to Jesus and he will intercede to God on our behalf in the same way that the high priest did in the Old Testament. But you know what that requires? You know what is required for Jesus to intercede on your behalf? You to go to God. Jesus cannot intercede on your behalf if you don't go to God. If, if you're just sitting there going, uh, yeah, <clears throat> thank you, Jesus, uh, for being someone who will intercede on my behalf. But yeah, I'm just not going to use you ever. Um, Jesus is not going to intercede on your behalf because he's not being asked to. It, if Paige wanted to tell Jacob something, but she never, she was like, I can't tell him personally. I need to tell Brian to tell Jacob, but she never comes and tells me. How am I supposed to know to go to Jacob and tell him? Nope. Can't do it. Sorry. I don't really want to either. That's a frightening thought. (laughs) Um, No, but I wouldn't know to go tell Jacob to intercede to Jacob on Paige's behalf if Paige does not tell me what to tell Jacob. And in the same way, God cannot, Jesus cannot intercede to God on our behalf if we do not go to Jesus and tell him what we want to intercede, him to intercede to God. Guys, I'll be the first one to admit in this room, in front of all of you, that I do not spend nearly enough time in prayer. I will be the first person in front of all of you to admit that. And I would think, just a guess, that many of you would agree with that sentiment. Not that I don't, but that you guys don't. Like, right? That you would all look at yourself and say, I do not spend enough time in prayer. And we find whatever excuse we want for it. But the truth is we know it. Like we'll be like, oh, I couldn't pray today because my stupid teachers gave me a bunch of homework. So, you know, that's kind of priority. I couldn't pray to God because I had to do all my homework first. We'll, We'll find whatever excuse it is for not being able to pray. But don't allow God's gift through Jesus And the meaning of frankincense to be wasted on you. Don't allow the ability of Jesus to be able to intercede on your behalf to God to be wasted on you. God has opened this line of communication for each of us, including every single one of you in this room. Do not waste it. I I, I cannot stress this enough. Like I said, most religions do not have this ability. They don't have this ability to go to the deity, to go to God, in this case, to to talk to him, to ask him things, to ask for his help. As Christians, we believe that we do have that ability. And that's that's a fantastic ability because it's amazing to me to think that if you had... How do do I say this? Okay, here's an example. One of my best friends in high school, uh, she went to, she was in the youth group with me. We were the same age. We grew up together, uh, went to church together. Her dad um, was the high school principal, okay? And so I knew her dad. He He went to our church. I knew him really well. Obviously, he knew me very well and everything. And I had... 
a direct line to the principal. So if something happened that I didn't like in school, I could just go to the principal and be like, hey, this person picked on me. No, I, like, I could just go to him and he would pretty much take care of the problem for me because he was the head honcho, right? And it would be really weird if I had a problem <clears throat> in high school and I didn't go to him, right? That would be pretty dumb. And so in the same way, if we have this ability to go to God, the head honcho, if you will, and have him help with the problem, it would be really dumb of us to waste that opportunity. But yet so many of us out here just choose not to pray. Now, and I get it's one thing whenever I say, hey, will someone pray for us? Like praying out loud, I understand that's a public speaking fear, not a fear of praying or a lack of praying. But I fear that and the, one of the reasons you're afraid to pray in front of other people is because you don't ever pray by yourself. So you don't know how to do it. And that's why I try to like legitimately, that's why I try to get different people to pray is so that you get more comfortable with praying. And so it feels more natural. And so maybe when you're at home and you're really struggling with something, you can go to God and you can just be like, God, please help me through this situation. Please help me because I need you in this time. <clears throat> or to be like, God, things are going great. I'm praising you for helping me to, to go through this time of prosperity and goodness. And I know, I know right now when I'm sitting here talking about, hey, you guys should pray more. Like, duh. Every youth pastor in America has told their students that they need to pray more. Okay? Like, this is no shock right here that I'm just being like, hey, guys, you should pray more. That opportunity is out there for you. You should take it. <clears throat> and I know for a fact right now that basically all of you out there are sitting there thinking that you're not really going to change anything. Like, maybe tonight you're like, I do need to pray more. But three days from now, you're not going to remember that you thought that on Wednesday night. I understand that you're probably thinking, no matter what Brian says tonight, nothing's going to change in my life. You won't spend more time in prayer. Nothing's going to change in your life, etc. But I want to ask you something. What if you did? What if you did? What if you decided, you know what? Brian's right. Tonight, I need to spend more time talking to God. I need to go to God with my troubles instead of trying to handle them all by myself. I need to thank God for what he's given me more. What if you chose to do that? You think something would change in your life? I do. I mean, we sit here and we say, <clears throat> like, it's kind of like doing a diet, okay? Like, this, this is no surprise. I'm a big guy. There's been many times in my life where I've thought, you know what? I should probably lose some weight. And you start a diet. And after, like, 10 days of being on this diet, you're like, my gosh, I weigh the exact same. And all I'm doing is making myself hungry and angry all the time because I want to eat. And so you stop the diet right as it was about to start working. <clears throat> I feel like a lot of us, that's our prayer life. We pray for a week. You know, we really buckle down and we're like, I'm going to pray every day, three times a day for a week. And you're like, man, nothing's changed. 
feels the same. I'm exactly where I was a week ago, and I'm, spending all, I'm wasting all this time praying to God. And we bail out on it right before God's about to do something amazing. What if you started praying? What, what if you took this challenge... And really decided to allow it to cause a radical change in the way that you interact with God. Guys, all I can do from up here is I can give you guidance. I can give you direction. I can give, give you companionship. I can give you advice. I can do a lot of things as a youth pastor to you guys. And I love to do that, by the way. If you guys ever need anything, you know you can come to me. I can pray for you. I can pray for you. I I can love you guys. I can do all these things for you. But guys, one thing I cannot do for you is I I can't pray in your place. I can pray for you, but I can't pray for you. I can't intercede with God for you the way that Jesus can. Yeah, you could text me. Uh, you know what? I, I think it's amazing. <clears throat> You'll ask people, hey, do, we'll be in Sunday school or on a Wednesday night. And I'll be like, hey, does anyone have any prayer requests they want to share? And everyone will shoot their hands up and be like, oh, my aunt's sick and, and we need some prayer for her. And so many times I want to turn right around and look and go, have you prayed for her? Most of the time the answer is no. You want other people to pray for you. But you're not even willing to pray for yourself. I can do a lot of things for you, but I can't intercede to God for you. That can only be done between you, Jesus, and God. And if you choose to pass that up, if you choose not to take this wonderful gift that God has given you through his son Jesus, you're missing out on what frankincense means. And you're missing out on what frankincense does. Don't allow this gift of frankincense to be lost on you. God gave it to you as a gift. Not to just be put on a shelf, to look pretty, to smell good, whatever. But to be used by you. So pray to God. Go to him with your troubles. Go to him with your joys. Go to him with anything. He wants to hear it. And I want you to think tonight, what would change if I took this challenge and started praying more to God? What if you did? What if you did? God, thank you so much for these students. I thank you so much for what they mean to me, what they mean to each other, but ultimately what they mean to you, God. They mean the world to you. I pray that they would all understand and realize the value that you've placed on their lives, that you've created a certain path that is designed for them to live their life to serve you. God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. 
as the pathway for us to communicate with you. So we look through this, this gift of frankincense, and I pray that you would allow us all to be people who go to you more in prayer. God, I, again, I'll be the first one to admit that I need to pray to you more. But God, I pray that you would burden the hearts of these students, that you would break their hearts for the fact that they never communicate with you, and that you would make them people who spend hours daily petitioning to you, working with you to try to be the people that you've called them to be. God, we thank you again for this gift that you've given us of the Holy Spirit that we can use to communicate with you. We praise you for sending your son. We thank you and praise you for sending your son to die for us. Pray that you would bless everyone here as we go from this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.